Welcome to episode 53 of Crave the Book. In today's episode, Amber and I discuss chapters 47 through 52 of Tracy Wolf's Covet. And in this episode, our little dream team is headed to the Giants Village. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Woohoo! Episode 53, woohoo! Woo! Woohoo! It's not it's not a long episode, but I feel like it's a fun episode. It is a fun episode and Someone is reading, rereading, great, uh, covered, uh, in the Wolfpack group, and they literally mentioned these chapters today. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, we're covering it in the podcast. Did, did you tell I don't them know that? Whether she said, I don't, yeah, I did. Oh. I don't know whether they're a listener, but if they are, hi, I will find your name. One second, just opening Facebook. Um, but yeah, she, she was saying that it was really sweet of, of Hudson to give her that moment. Aww. Megan Amanda. Well, we hope that you're listening to the podcast right now. There are perks <laughs> to, uh, to you know, to posting things that are congruent with what we are currently talking about. Because God knows Amber and I need content after a year of doing this. <laughs> um, guys, if this is your first time listening, welcome, welcome. First of all, we do have our own Facebook group. Uh, we, we're in the Wolf Pack and we're in the Crave series, whatever Facebook group, but we've also got our own, which is the Crave the Book Podcast Tea Room. You can join that on Facebook and come hang out with us and chat. Um, but if for any reason this is your first time listening and you haven't made it through Covet and, and Court, especially, there is a very specific sound that you're going to want to listen out for. Amber, tell them what the sound is. The sound is, of course, the wolf howl that will happen around the 45-minute mark, although sometimes we talk a bit too long and it will go on forever. Um, so just listen out for the wolf howl, and that will be the signifier that we have moved on from the chapters that we have specifically read today. And we'll be moving on to spoiler territory. Um, we don't want to. We don't want to ruin any surprises that await you in the rest of the books. So, please, we, please don't. We don't have a lot of spoilers, but I think that the ones that we have are doozies. So they would definitely. They're definitely like spoil worthy spoilers. Y- yes, you it, you will be spoiled. Caught caught spoilers. Yes. All um, right, um, and um, and don't forget that the next book is coming out soon we will not be obviously having any spoilers about that (laughs) until we've read it um and we will have a special episode based on it yes as a standalone we will speed read it for you guys that way we can do a standalone episode similar to how really really hope it's not as long as court Oh my God, you guys, we had to read court. Like you guys know how long court is. Yeah, we had to read it. Well, it took me like three days because there was something going on with my kid like right around that time. Oh, her birthday, duh. Um, (laughs) So it took me a while to, uh, to get it done, but three days and then we immediately made the episode. So if you guys have read court and you're dying to, you know, hear our theories, that's been out for a couple months. It's been out since the book released. So feel free to go check that out. But we will have one single episode dedicated entirely to charm. And then when we actually get to charm and court, they will obviously have their own seasons of the podcast. So yes. All right. Let's dive in. Um, we left off with 
the party or the study group in Hudson's room, and we had the whole crew there hanging out. Um, There has been like this constant hot and cold between Grace and Hudson, where one minute they act like they're going to kiss each other, and then the next minute Hudson is saying that, you know, that they're not a couple. He's run out of blood. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's very confusing, which, you know, teenagers will be teens. Yes. And they, they, they left that scene off with uh, the cute, let's watch a movie together, but on the, on the couch. On the couch, not on your fuck me bed. Yes. I have to, um, I have to figure so that's, out how that's... I'm going to even do that scene when I read Covet to Taylor. <laughs> you get little post-it notes and stick it over the words. Yeah, I think I'm just going to have her like follow along in the next the next page like skip this page because she has a book i have the book so we'll we'll figure it out she's she's almost 11 so most of the subject matter is okay but some of it's too much but anyway um she still knows that it would be a lot to share a bed with someone yeah yeah because well here's the thing grace grace is at that point where i don't think that she would be able to control herself and she wants to say that it's just the mating bond and i think that that makes it a little bit more easy for her to digest that if she gets in that bed with hudson she's gonna take her clothes off and they're gonna mess around like she she knows it's gonna happen but i don't think that that's a mating bond thing i think that that is a natural teenage thing where if one thing leads to another you're willing to do things that maybe you don't actually you're your conscious brain doesn't want you to, but then, you know, in well, the heat- biology does take take over. Yeah. <laughs> um, as much as you, you care to think that you are in control at all times and that you know what you want, your body will respond automatically to things that you're being introduced to (laughs) oh yeah especially when you're young because you don't have that cause and effect center of the brain you've you that part of the brain develops way later in life especially in boys in girls it develops a little bit sooner but in boys it tends to develop a little bit later so you don't you don't have the ability to see around corners um Mm -hmm. and because of that i think that it, it leads to teens, you know, being stereotypical where they're impulsive and they make, you know, impulsive decisions. But it's a, a completely natural thing. And I think that Grace is very intuitive to know, like, okay, my conscious brain does not want me to do this. But I know that the second that I get in that bed with him, like, all bets are off. I'm taking off my clothes mm-hmm. and we're we're getting crazy. She also might not have um, any idea what that would mean for Hudson compared to what it would mean for her because everybody has their own gravity of what that act means. Um, And it it varies between individuals. And I also think that as a teenager, you aren't quite capable of empathy to the same degree. And and I'm not talking about the, oh, I, I can understand how they're feeling. It's actually putting yourselves in their shoes and thinking that they could have a different opinion to you and they could be experiencing different emotions to you. So when you're a teenager and you're going through those emotions, you sometimes put what you're feeling onto them and think they're in love with me. 
they're doing everything for me, they're being really nice to me, they're seducing just me, they only want me, because that's the feelings that you feel for them, when actually they not might not be feeling anything and it's genuine just hormones that's working at that point. Um, and neither of you have actually communicated exactly what you're feeling yeah, yeah. And it's and, good to be straight up if, if you are just and I, I definitely see this more in guys than you see it in girls, though. Obviously, there are, you know, plenty of girls who don't want a relationship. They just kind of want to have fun and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that being open about that right away is very important. Whereas, you know, if you just want to be the little, the little hummingbird you know, going from flower to flower, that's totally fine. But if that's what you want, don't let someone get to the point where they're falling in love with you and assuming that you're falling in love with them if your heart's mm -hmm. not in it. Especially if you are a very kind and caring person anyway, sometimes those outward emotions get mistranslated as love. Yeah. Because, um, childhood trauma with me for example anytime a man will pay me any kind of attention my brain immediately thinks that they're in love with me yeah um it's a very toxic thing to have because it's obviously not true um there are just genuine rats random acts of kind kindness that that men do and it does not mean that they're expecting anything of me they're just going out of their way to be a nice person and my brain has the wires crossed and immediately assumes clearly they want to have sex with me. Yeah. Clearly they love with me. So <laughs> I think yeah. that uh, I As think when 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 um we first became friends and you and uh Mark were messaging back and forth about getting your new computer set up. I, I think, felt really uncomfortable. Yeah, you you messaged me and and like got my blessing to message him. I'm yeah. like I'm like I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like I, it, it was me just making sure that you knew that I knew what was expected of me in that situation and right. that conversation. And I didn't want you to find out that I had been texting him and messaging him, even if it was completely innocent and you to feel like you were kept out of the loop. I'm like, just to let you know, he is sending me really <laughs> inappropriate memes. Is this okay for you? Like, I have no feelings whatsoever in this. <laughs> but it's, if you know your husband and you know the the levels of which he goes to in a normal relationship with any kind of friend, if that's normal, then I'm okay with this. Yeah, it's if he's overstepping, I'm letting you know now. <laughs> no, it's like when you've been married 12 years, your give a shit a meter is just like always give a shit a meter. <laughs> my give a shit a meter is always like geared to zero. So <laughs> but anyway, um, so the room is clearing out and Grace wants to stay in Hudson's room and while well, everyone's packing up. Like she wants to talk to Hudson about everything. She's been kind of stewing this entire time that they've been studying, like about, you know, if if what did did this mean something to him the way that it meant to me? Which are legitimate feelings to have and you know, mm -hmm. healthy for her to have. But of course, Macy's just like, are you coming, Grace? <laughs> just totally. Well, she, she, the list, literally the last message that she had sent Macy was, hurry up, fuck up. Yeah. I need you to rescue me. So Macy would uh, think that Grace wanted an excuse to leave. Yeah. And then, and then poor Jackson's just sitting there all, Puppy dog guys, mopey. Yeah. 
You know when, like, as a group of girls and they go, like, oh, I'm going to the toilet. And you go, okay. And they're like, are you coming? And you're like, no, why Why would I? And they look at you with, like, this stupid face, like, excuse me, but you're coming with me. Or talking. And like, okay, okay, uh, yes, I absolutely do need to go to the toilet. <laughs> and you just follow them really confused, like, I don't... Is this a good thing? Are we are we gossiping in the bathroom? Why are you leading me away from danger that I wasn't aware of? What are we? Where are we going? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. If I'm at like a bar, I'm very much a uh, pack in the bathroom with the girls type person because I don't want to go by myself. Like, what if I encounter a drunk person on the way there? What if What if there's somebody in the bathroom waiting? What <laughs> you know? What if What if I'm abandoning my friends and they encounter a drunk person? Like, yeah, yeah, but. Safety, <laughs> exactly. Safety, though. I think. But that when I'm at the table, when I'm at the table, and I don't need the wee, I forget that. Yeah, but they look at me. They, yeah, the the girls look at me like, "Are you coming?" And I'm like, <laughs> "No, I would. I don't need to go. I guess I will." <laughs> but yeah, I'm just imagining Macy just being like, "Are you coming?" <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> She's like, "I need you to leave." You're being a cock block right now. <laughs> go, Macy, go. So <laughs> Jackson walks by and you know, Grace is mostly concerned with upsetting Jackson by staying because he's kind of been a mopey moo the whole time. Um, but Jackson kind of walks by and tells Grace that it's okay. Like he whispers to her so that only she can hear. And she goes through this like full-blown, like comparative, inner head inner dialogue about how her relationship with Jackson was and how it is with Hudson and, you know, how her and Jackson, they they found each other when they needed each other and that they were both broken and they completed each other and yada, yada, yada. And how it's different with Hudson because Hudson was in her head and now he knows, like, everything about her, not just what she chooses to share, which is how, you know, Jackson has realistically known Grace for way shorter of a time and way less intimately than Hudson has. Her, her and Jackson, they have really talked about her childhood or her feelings or her values or her morals or anything that would make up an important relationship. They've just kind of horsed around. Um, and this it doesn't seem to be a very calm relationship either. Like her and Hudson seem to manage to find those moments to still be, I mean, and then it sounds stupid, but still be human yeah. together. Whereas her and Jackson, Jackson always had more important things to do. Yeah. And, you know, and if Grace did as well, he would throw a proper strop about her not spending the night with him in his tower, whereas she was needed to study. Yeah. There's a difference between it's like check your hair guys and bedhead guys. So a check your hair guy, that's like. Right when you know you're going to go see him, you have to make sure that your hair is perfect and your makeup is done and you're wearing your nicest outfit and you don't want there to be any reason that he could look at you and say, ugh, which is very <laughs> much Grace and Jackson. Jackson doesn't see Grace in any state less than perfect by her choice. She always makes sure that if she knows that she's going to see him, that she is looking her best, feeling Pristine. her best. Yeah. And, and if he... So, seeks her out when she is not prepared for him, she's very uncomfortable. Whereas 
Hudson was in Grace's head, seeing her literally like laying in bed, waking up, the alarm clock going off, uh, turn it off. And and it, it's almost like they had like that slumber party relationship where they saw each other at their best and their worst. And the relationship didn't care about it either. Yeah, yeah. And it and- wasn't like, oh no, don't look at me, I'm I'm hideous. It's actually like that it was so normal and natural to them that it just became an everyday part of life. Yeah, full comfort. And I've been with guys that are the the same way. There's the guys that like I make sure that like if I take a poop in the bathroom at their house, like I'm like running the faucet so they don't hear the flip flops, (laughs) spraying the air freshener, (laughs) pretending that I just I don't poop at all so that they don't know. Poop guys. Yeah, we don't poop. But then, then there's, like, my husband where I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to go take a shit. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Like, it's the the relationship where you feel like you always have to be 100% perfect 100% 100 of the time. That's not sustainable. And and to my point with um, Jackson and Grace finding each other when they're the most broken and Grace saying that they completed each other, that is never a good thing. There should—your person— can be perfect for you. But if you are not a complete person, when you find your person, you become so reliant on each other that life without that person seems impossible. And I know that it seems romantic to think that somebody is your world and that you cannot live without them and they're your everything and you would do anything for them, but you are doing them a disservice by being less than a human when you get into a relationship with someone. You need to bring your full self to the table complete and, you know, not looking to fill gaps in your life with their love because it can go one of two ways. Either there is friction and resistance because you hold high standards and expectations to each other that neither one of you is going to be able to actually uphold because it's your expectations that you've placed on that person to fix you Or you break up and life seems completely hopeless and meaningless without that person because you had nothing left, which is what we see in New Moon when Edward leaves Bella and she literally just falls into such a state of depression that there is nothing left of her. And I've been through that. I've known that experience. Um, And it's so unhealthy. I know that if anything happened to my husband today, I would be devastated. But I would not die. I would not I would not go and jump off of a cliff in order to see his you know ghost and hear his, hear him telling me not to Bella <laughs> but it it's it is better to walk into a relationship with you know healthy expectations of each other and it's more attractive are are you not more attractive to a confident and whole person than you are the sad one who's all torn down, and I sure wish someone would fix me. Like, that's that can be cute if that's, like, your your kink, but it stops being cute after, like, three months. Yeah, like, my, my kink is watching my man across a room at a party and holding his own. Yeah, yeah. Confidence. Oh, oh, yes. Speaking of which. And he, and he, and he looks over at you, and it's not like a, oh, please come rescue me. It's uh, like just looking at you, checking that you like, yeah, you do exist. You're not just a dream. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Are you safe over there? Do I need to come rescue you? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Grace uh, gets ticked off because Hudson decides to kind of be a little douchey when she stays. She's like thinking about why why her relationship with Hudson is so much better and yada yada. And then Hudson like, what does he say? He says, he says, are you just going to stand there or are we actually going to talk? Did you actually have something to say? And then that makes said? her real mad. Yep. Um, but then he he blocks her path. She goes to leave. She grabs her bag. She's like, fine, I'll just leave then. And he stops and blocks her path. But of course, the only thing that she's staring at is his is his jeans, his, jeans. Ri- his ripped up jeans. And so my question is, if Hudson blocked your path while wearing his Dom jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Those dumb jeans wouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> I would hope that they had Velcro. <laughs> See, I know that you were picturing like like some stripper like rip off Magic Mike movement, but I pictured like the pants that you put on little babies so you can get or to the their poppers. <laughs> so you can get to their diaper, <laughs> like long john pajamas. <laughs> That way you can poop have while you, have you're camping. You ever, um, <laughs> have you ever worn an item of clothing that your husband doesn't know how to undo? Oh, yeah. It, th- that moment where they're just, like, baffled is amazing. I've A1 dungarees um, that he just he couldn't, couldn't, couldn't work out. Um, and then another one where I was wearing um, some, like, sports leggings, uh, like yoga, yoga pants. And it had a zip <laughs> for your phone at the back on on your bum and he just did that zip up like (laughs) (laughs) I was like they're just leggings they pull off why are you doing a zip (laughs) horizontally (laughs) smooth oh it was adorable yes yesterday I've got I was wearing a pair of sweatpants yesterday that are because my waist is slim my butt is big and I had these sweatpants on that are tight on my waist but I kind of got to like hike them over to get them over the the butt cheeks you know what I mean you got a threshold yeah you got to do the jump to get them on Mm -hmm. and my husband thought he was going to be slick and walk by and yank them down they didn't come down they just landed on my butt like they stopped He's like, why are your pants so tight? I'm like, they're not. It's I'm hourglass. <laughs> it keeps everything in place. <laughs> I wore these pants for just this purpose to prevent this type of thing from happening. <laughs> one of one of my favorite lines in any TV show is from The Heat, and it's Melissa McCarthy, and she she asks Sandra Bullock, "What are those?" And she goes, "They're spanks." <laughs> She's like, "What are they for?" She goes, "They, they keep everything to." Like together, she's like, "What? Like medically?" (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, after I had Taylor, I I wore lots of spanks to keep myself medically together. I felt like I was gonna (laughs) fall. I felt like everything was gonna fall out of me. So that's partially true. Um, So Grace says this quote: "Milk toast is so much easier to walk away from." This was the first time I have ever seen this word like written out and I actually had a Facebook post that uh, popped up in my memories two weeks ago from where I had posted and said all this time I thought that it was milk toast milk toast 
And someone mm-hmm. someone commented on it and they said, I've never heard that word. It must be British. It was your mom. Oh, it was my mom. <laughs> it was my yeah. mom. <laughs> is it, is it, it was your mom. <laughs> I have no idea what that word means. Milk toast. Um, but but Scott did. I thought it was like Because you put it up in cold. a Marco Polo and he knew what it was. I still don't know what it was. I've heard it like I've heard it a couple times in my life, but for for those who are who are like also saying, man, mil- I thought that it was milk toast too. No, it's M I L Q U E toast. And I thought, like my my brain always went to like milk. Maybe it's like some you know some struggle term back from the. You know how there's always like those like weird 18th century terms that are rooted from like poverty you know what i mean like just and they i mean, mean it is I and mean, i've got i've gone onto google and, and found the etymology of it which is um so there's a ca- uh, character called casper milk toast in the comic strip called the timid soul and it was created by an american cartoonist called harold tucker webster in 1885 oh and it was first published in 1924, and the character was named after the American dish milk toast, spelled exactly how you think it's spelled. Um, and it's a food consisting of toasted bread in warm milk. So, some depression food. Definitely. Uh, milk toast is an egg corn of milk toast. But what what's the actual uh, definition of the term? Is it just blowing hot and cold, like one extreme um, to the next? No, it's a timid or feeble person, like feeble, insipid, bland person. Oh, well, that because that's a, and I also have um, some sketch image sketches of his um, his comics as well. Well, now we all learned something today. Milk, but she said milk toast is so much easier to walk away from. Is she saying that? He's easier to walk away from when he's being timid or timid, or is he she saying that she is timid, therefore it is easier for him to walk away? I can't remember the context. I literally just read it like two hours ago. And I can't remember. But <laughs> a very timid, unassertive, spineless person, especially one who is easily dominated. Oh, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so Grace also, she goes through, like, the sequence of, like, how she feels about Hudson, and she's like, he smells like, like, sandalwood and yada, 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 like, safety. And that, that yep. that's really great, because you just brought up the fact that she feels safe with him. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, yeah, her gargoyle, or, or a voice inside her that she's not quite sure what it is yet, pipes up when she's listing all of the reasons why she likes being around him when she was comparing the way that they were both quite kingly and uh, yeah her her gargoyle went and safe don't forget safe yeah that's cute um and it's nice that like she's already associating a smell with safety as well that means that she's getting that kind of association that he is safe and that you know when you you go like okay I can replicate the smell so I know that I all I might need is one of his jackets or something oh yeah so that yeah but she doesn't because she, she she doesn't know that joy yet 
I'm, of winning of winning your partner's hoodie to take home and you go ha 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 I'm gonna sniff this when I fall asleep and then in a few days it stops smelling like them and you're like oh I've stolen your Armani ooh man you know what the the teenage boys here it's like they'll douse their hoodie in like Axe body spray and then let you take it home and then like it's so strong that you're like I'm just gonna like put it under my pillow thing is that that doesn't smell like them then you can just literally go and buy a can of axe body spray wherever you want and spray it on your own plucking clothes like that's not the person smell that's their deodorant i never wear the same deodorant twice (laughs) so i must not have a smell (laughs) but that's that's incorrect like i know i have a smell my dogs recognize me my husband recognizes my smell weird that we all i i you know what's weird is like if i were to have uh, my mom's scent in particular is when i remember i'm very scent oriented it's because my eyes are bad my ears are bad but i've i think that my my scent um is stronger because of it and even to this day like if if you were to give me like my mom's pillow and like you know somebody else's pillow i could tell you which one's my mom's because i know her smell Mm -hmm. i know my husband's smell Um, And it's weird because, like, we never really know what our own smell is. You'll never know. And you can't describe a person's smell. Like, a person's smell doesn't have words that you can describe it with. And authors obviously do because they want to come up with some way of describing the smell. But it doesn't really – he doesn't really smell like sandalwood. Do you know what I now associate you with? Oh, God. Please don't say onions. You don't smell like teakwood, but whenever I smell teakwood, my brain goes to you. Uh, That's the smell of my car. Everything teakwood (laughs) I do in my car. Yeah, and it it, it smells like men's aftershave, but it's not not your smell. But I was going around TK Maxx, which you call TJ Maxx, because that's a whole confusing thing. And um, yeah, there there was a candle and it smelled teakwood. And I was like, oh my God. And I lifted it. And yeah, it's your instant America. That's crazy. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. So if you guys want to smell like Starla's um, Dodge Challenger, oh. then go sniff a... It's mahogany teakwood from Bath and Body Works is the scent that I make sure that everything that goes into my car is mahogany teakwood. For, I don't know why. That, that smell just reminds me of a new car. I, re- I do like that smell, though. It's the only, like, not fruity or bakery-type smell that I like. I'm not big on, like, floral and soapy smells. <laughs> but, um, so, Grace and Macy, the, the next scene is Ma- Macy and Grace getting ready to go to the Giants Village, um, because... Yeah, Macy's trying to worm out some information as to what she missed after she left. Yeah, because Grace and Hudson just sat down and watched a movie. They sat and watched Star Wars. Um, and Macy oh. obviously thinks that more happens. So she's <laughs> she's like, you can't have just watched Star Wars. Yeah, doing the true best friend, you know. It's like, you can't have just Netflixed. You had to have chilled, too. <laughs> to be fair, Macy, uh, Macy does have a point. But Grace made it very clear that they didn't. And even Macy was like, well, I'm Team Hudson. <laughs> yeah, I'm Team Hudson up until the point that he hurts you, and then I'll kill him where'd you borrow the body. 
<laughs> which is which in Alaska is going to be very easy. And so far, Finn has put very, very little consequence on murder. So I don't really know why she's worried about having to pre like pre plan that. Yeah. So um, they kind of start talking about their moms because it's Grace's mom's birthday, but Grace isn't really upset which about Macy, it. Which Macy goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then I'm like, what did she expect Grace to like want for this? Like she, she's a bit like, do you think she was expecting a present or something? <laughs> like, it's like, I can't believe I forgot. Like, oh, I should have got a card. <laughs> No, that's not how things work. I think it's just being alert, like being aware of the fact that it might be a hard day for her. Um, Because I I think that, and I know that I often forget that Macy's mom is also gone. Um, So it's one of those moments where they're able to kind of bond and talk about like their Macy's mom's tea and Grace's mom's cooking. And I don't know, I just thought it was a really sweet moment that they were able to... um, actually connect on because Macy's mom is missing and has been missing since she was nine nine yeah yeah and they both kind of go over that like memory of remembering when the visits between them stopped yeah um and they never worked out why they can just remember Rowena going missing don't if if that were me i would straight up be like ah that's probably about the time when my parents realized that i'm a gargoyle like i would be trying to put two and two together but mm-hmm. they're just like i wonder why they stopped coming around <laughs> like yeah they don't ask was, the right was, questions no it was it was, all, it was all very much a grace being dim yeah still always yep <laughs> So, um, and there's a moment where she says um, that Macy puts up the no trespassing sign. Yeah. And um, I, I like that quote that she can tell when Macy has, she was enjoying the conversation and she was having a, like a nice reminiscing moment. But then she just went, I know we need to stop talking about this now. And Macy didn't need to actively say that. Grace just read it on her face that she was done. Yeah, because this is the happiest know. Macy's been in a long time. Like she's she stated that she was that she wanted to basically be in a good mood today. Like she put she was wearing a rainbow coat rather than wearing black and it's the first time that she's decided like we're going to have a good day after, you know, even after everything that's happened and after Xavier's death, like it's the first time that she's actively tried to have a good day. Mhm. So Grace wanted to steer clear of anything that could ruin that for Macy. Which yeah, sweet. Um, so they meet up with the crew to head to the giant's village. And out in the woods, Macy's doing all her spell work and, you know, creating a portal to get them to the giant's village. Um, one of my favorite lines, though, in this whole thing is Eden says, what can we do to help? And Macy says, stay out of my way. Um, I love that because <laughs> any holiday, and I'm sure that you probably noticed this when you were here in the U.S. for Thanksgiving, I always have people come up and they're like, what can I do to help? What can I do? Tell me what to do to, to help you out. Can I make this? I'm like, no, just stay out of my way. Like, 
I will prep everything by myself and you being in my way is going to prevent me from doing that. I would like to do everything on my own. I do not want help. Um, so I that was like one of those lines that I was just like, yes. So usually my, my thing is, you want to help? Okay, entertain the dogs and the children yeah. over there. Um, keeping more people out of my way will be more useful to me than you grating cheese. Please go over there. Go over there. Yeah. I I don't and want... And your house is quite small. Like, your living room is in the same room as your kitchen, so people can't really stay out of the way. Yeah. So you probably feel a lot more. But, yeah, the, when I did my birthday party, we, ha we had a barbecue, so we had a cookout in our garden, and um, everybody was outside. Everybody out was outside in the garden, and there was just me at the opposite end of the house. And that was the only time that I've ever felt like I, I don't need help, but I feel very isolated here because everyone is very out of my way. Yeah, and I was like cooking things and like taking them out into the garden. But I was really enjoying the quiet because no one was pestering me. <laughs> but it meant that I never wanted to go back outside, and it was my birthday. <laughs> And they're like, are you coming to go? Are you going to come outside? And I'm like, oh, no, I was really enjoying being alone. <laughs> yeah. And there's, well, it, there are times when, when I'm fine with getting some, some assistance, but most of the time, I think that it's, I think that it's anxious people and artistic people where it's like, you must control because you only have trust in yourself. And if something does not end up perfectly the way that I want it to be, I will put someone else at fault for you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i have a vision for how i want everything in my life and the moment that somebody starts interfering it has the potential to not go the way that i want so and you will immediately blame them even though they physically did not get in the way and you if you dropped something you drop something you immediately go will you just shut up stop talking and they're like whoa where did that come from and you're like you are in my bubble. Yeah. And I know that I did not drop this because you were in my way or because you physically made me drop it, but you are an embodiment of my frustration right now. So please leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that is the most relatable thing that I think that you've ever said. I thought, and it's like, it's, <laughs> it's like one, one more thing on something that is already complicated mm -hmm. for me. And if you are talking and I'm trying to dedicate like part of my energy into listening and being pleasant to you, then mm -hmm. I am more likely to mess up what I am currently doing. Yep. And you will be the sole reason. <laughs> and, and the target of my frustrations. Yeah. And I, I always apologize. And, and I always say like, I'm really sorry but i am very frustrated right now and you are you are not the reason you are not the cause but you are not helping yeah um and i think a lot of people are always like really taken aback that i snap because I don't, I don't snap very often and it is usually because i'm doing too many things and then they add that extra bit of i require your attention and i'm like all of my attention is gone. Is, we are at we are at one hundred percent capacity for attention. I do not have one percent left to get. Oh, I gave it. I dropped something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I definitely I definitely relate. And um, I'm assuming that if Macy messed up this portal, like she had said on in Crush on the Unkillable Beast Island, like 
we could all just explode into light. Like, oh. Yeah, that's quite a terrifying uh, eventuality. It's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, we could just, you know, explode into light. Yeah, so I, it's probably pretty important that she has focus while building this portal. Yes. Um, <laughs> so Hudson drops the babe word. He's like, well, babe, like... Uh, yeah, uh, it, it, and he wasn't in a corny, like, at the end, like, oh, babe. No, it was, like, casual. Or, or he the just, beginning. He sprinkled yeah. it into a sentence that he already planned to say, which was, like, the second that that happens, I'm just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes yes um but it was and he's 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 trying to um because this is a really cute scene where essentially he had done all the research for grace on being a gargoyle so that when she was ready to ask him he would have all the answers because he knew that she's scared of finding out something about herself that she didn't already know and when she asked, apparently his face just lights up because he's like joyous that she's finally had this courage to ask him how he knew to bury her in the ground so that she would survive. Um, and he's talking about how the unkillable beast, why he thinks the unkillable beast is so large. And it's because he's been chomping down big boulders for breakfast. Yeah. And, and, that's the reason why Hudson knew to bury Grace at the end of Crush. Um, mm -hmm. And and he's like, you know, well, what would what would you do? And she she says, I'd make myself as big and badass as I possibly could if she were in the position of the unkillable beast. But then I was thinking, like, you've already done this before. You literally, yeah, it, at the end of Crush, which you literally never do ever again. You get nope. giant. Yep. And it wasn't, that's not one of Hudson's powers. No, Hudson can't get giant. I mean, as far as we know. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I know where your mind went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that she, she does it, but I don't remember her being a gargoyle while she did it. She was a gargoyle the whole time. Yeah. Well, then she's an idiot. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's like a random thing that it, she never does again. She never asks about it again. And then she acts oblivious she, to it. She also moans all the time and she's really, really short and she doesn't like her height. I'm like, why don't she just eat a bowl of, I'm trying to think of a cereal pun. Slate flakes. <laughs> yes. There you go. That was the worst thing ever, but sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> Delicious. Um. Boulder nuggets. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so she she could have she could have eaten some, you know, for breakfast. Grow a little bit. I would. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. A few inches, you know. Just just a few. A few inches can make all the difference. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Macy has daggers. She has a dagger that's flying around the forest. She has daggers. She has daggers. She has a dagger flying around the forest, and they're all chasing it. And it's like when you start a video game and there's a big, like, glowing arrow that you have to follow around because you're too stupid to figure out how to how the game mechanics <laughs> to work. The tutorial mode. Yeah, that's what 
<laughs> That's exactly what I pictured. Like speaking speaking of games, there was a bit we were, me and my husband started playing a game. I was like, "Why did they make you just walk over a bridge for no reason and then cut to a cutscene again?" He's like, "To teach you how to walk." And I'm like, "This makes no sense." <laughs> It's like, you just don't know video game mechanics. I'm like, this was literally a 30 second task. (laughs) You couldn't do anything except walk on a bridge. Why did you do that? Well, at the same time, I've played games where they under explain how to do anything. And and my husband's telling (laughs) like the lost. Yeah. He's like telling me all these like shortcuts on the keyboard. He's like, no, press, press I for this. You got to press I to get into your inventory. I'm like, they never told me that. He's like, you're just supposed to know. I'm like, how am I supposed to know? If no one tells me that I'm not going to know. He's like, well, it's only how all video games work. I'm like, well, (laughs) I'm dumb. There's so. a um, there's a YouTube channel that is dedicated to a, a gamer husband filming his wife who's never played a video game before, <laughs> learning how to play video games with zero explanation. And it's really funny watching her learn that portal. She was shooting at a wall, and she real she was just chasing a woman. She was chasing a woman through all of these portals until she realised <laughs> that she had done the infinite loop of herself. <laughs> she was constantly going, <laughs> following her ass That's through funny. portals. <laughs> thinking that she was following this lady forever. <laughs> I like and this husband was just stood there going, I don't know when to tell her that she's following herself. There's a there's a series like Elders Try like different thing and there's one of like Elders Try video games and it's just old people playing video games and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> um but yeah, so they're they're chasing this little dagger through because Macy's told them to. She's not really told them why. She's just told them, like, okay, guys, let's go. Run. <laughs> yeah. Grace and um, Hudson aren't don't seem like they're in that much of a hurry, like, compared to everybody else. They're kind of dicking around the whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're proper flirting with each other, doing that, like, shoulder nudge, shoving in. You know that scene in Shrek? With Fiona. With Fiona and Shrek. It's just, like, shoving each other into, like, swamps y- and cobwebs yeah that that scene uh whilst donkey's just looking do you reckon donkey is flint donkey is flint just completely oblivious the entire time always singing always in a good mood like (laughs) yeah and not not just because eddie murphy plays donkey this i didn't even think of that (laughs) specifically speaking on terms of personality if we were to give everybody like their their person in shrek Flint would definitely be Donkey. I don't think that Grace would be Fiona, though. I don't. No, no. I think that it ends there. I think that it is just Flint as Donkey. Although, and... Like there, there is that moment where she's like, "But I thought I'd be beautiful." <laughs> like it is beautiful. You are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. Anyway, what was your? Uh... And she has this like this cute little chase moment and. Hudson knows that he's got her. The like smarmy git knows that at any point, if he made the move, she would 100% be butter in his hands. Is that the saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like she, like, I felt wrong. Like I was like, nobody wants butter in their hands. Why don't you want butts? Putty. Putty. Not butter. <laughs> um, And I, she, he doesn't. He always knows to just back off slightly to just leave us hanging, and and it's so frustrating sexually. Yeah, I reckon that, like they'd have had time to sneak off. 
how much time they have. They're chasing a moving dagger. Well, if anybody like goes, where did you go? You'd be like, ah, uh, the bathroom. In the middle of a forest. <laughs> I was going to say, a bathroom where? It was a we go to the toilet together, okay? The Shrek outhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Just went in the complete opposite direction. We, we followed the other daggers that fell to the floor. <laughs> They're all just laying there. <laughs> but yeah, there's like this really like cutesy moment where she's like, wow, it's gorgeous. And he's doing that thing where he's looking at her and goes, yes, it is gorgeous. <laughs> but you are beautiful. <laughs> but you are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah um, and then they find themselves in this like magical forest and then Grace goes on this like reminiscing like memory about how she never wanted to leave because she could feel the magic of a forest and blah 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 blah, blah. and uh, yeah and then and then she describes trees that as a Brit I have never seen <laughs> oh yeah redwood trees so um, I'll go ahead what is our minute mark right now it's at 54 minutes um 54 tree making a note i'm going to put a photo of a redwood tree for those who have never seen one when grace talks about it being the biggest tree she's ever seen for those of you who have never been to california a redwood tree is so big at the base that i've i've seen redwoods that are it would take 20 people holding their arms, like holding their arms out and holding hands to fully encirculate the, encirculate, that's a word, to <laughs> encircle. <laughs> it's a day, guys. It is a day. Um, to encircle the base of a redwood tree because they are so big. I, I actually have a photo of my husband and his grandma standing on a redwood tree and they look like little ants standing on this fallen tree. It's it is insane. So, and it fits the the giant, you know, theme very well because when you're there, it, it just feels like Jurassic Park. Like, it does not feel like you are in the current time. Yeah. Um. You kind of feel like it doesn't. It doesn't really matter how big you are in your normal world. The moment that you step into this universe, you immediately feel minuscule. Yeah. You got really quiet all of a sudden. I, mo- I moved oh. the, I moved the microphone very far away because the train went past that was like a freight train. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, and I just forgot to move it back. Are you there? Hello? <laughs> All right. Are you ready to get on to spoilery spoilers? Because I have something um, that goes along with that scene. Yes. That I want to discuss. All right. So yes. I will. Woo. Yes. I will. Woo. A widow, woo, woo, woo. Oh, woo, woo, woo. Remember when we um, were young and naive and started this podcast and we did every woo with such enthusiasm? Oh, yeah. Now it's just like, oh, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Grace and Hudson were watching Star Wars and um, apparently the reason why they started to get like very hot and flustered is because they started to argue about how Leia couldn't admit that she was in love until too late. Um, and uh, it just made me think of just like, is that what Hudson thinks that Grace is going to do? Ah, That he, he thinks that she's going to realise that she is in love with him, but it's going to be too late for them 
and they're going to be either like one of them is going to die or they're going to get to the point where they're ready to switch the bond back to Jackson. Like, I was just wondering, like, is that what he really thinks? Because that's why he would have argued so vehemently against whatever she had as her point. Yeah. Because how can you argue against that? Because she she did. Leia did realize that she was in love too late. Oh, see, that's you're you were thinking about the Hudson side of it. And I was thinking about the Grace side of it, because the entire time that they were like arguing, Grace was just like, if I stay here any longer, I'm going to rip my clothes off. <laughs> she was just she was just getting like heated from see, but that. Or, but, but Grace, he's your brother. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the Crave universe, not Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So um, my next point was, um, when do you think that Finn actually like finally found Rowena? Because it sounds like he didn't immediately know where she had gone because he was like frantically searching for her in Macy's memory. And I'm wondering, like, at what point did she experience him give up when in reality Finn had found her and knew he couldn't get to her? Hmm. It's... So in court, Finn is is and has fully been aware that Rowena is in the prisons at the vampire court, right? He's he's fully aware. And Macy's mad at him because of it, I believe. Because he's never yes. brought it up. Okay. I think that I don't think it's necessarily like I can't believe you didn't rescue her. I think it's more how could you let me think that my mum had abandoned me? Right. Because that's probably more devastating to her, where she's been thinking badly of her mum all these time, and actually her mum is being tortured in a dungeon yeah, this yeah. whole time. You know, I'm, I'm. You guys know I'm. I, I, I. We give Uncle Finn some hate, um, but I'm kind of. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about him knowing that his wife is locked up in a dungeon, starving and being tortured, and him just going about his merry way as a headmaster. Um, because despite the fact that earlier in the podcast I said that you shouldn't dedicate your life like 100% to somebody and that you should have some form of existence outside of that person, if that person is locked away by an evil tyrant— and you have magical abilities, I would say that the more dignified and right thing to do would be to stop at nothing to retrieve them. But it kind of seems like Uncle Finn is checked out. Yeah. Like, he's he's not really, he's like, well, if I try, then, like, they'll kill her or something. Like, uh, I'll just leave her be. Like, no, that doesn't sound like a good thing either. It's not a solution. No. So not because I, I, I don't, like it doesn't sound as though he has been trying to get her out this whole time, even just like secretly. Yeah, like having an escape plan. Like, should this one thing ever happen, I know I can get her out. Or, um, I just need Cyrus to be distracted, or or, or anything like that. Like, he doesn't seem to be trying to engineer anything for her to get out. Like, no bargaining, n- nothing. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, there there have been, I'm not saying that, like, it would have been, like, good for him to, like, trade Grace for Rowena or anything, but I'm sure that there have been things that would 
heightened Cyrus's social status within the circle that, you know, that he and literally the headmaster of one of the largest paranormal schools could have, have figured out. Yeah. Like he's, I don't think he's offered anything. Yeah. So maybe he knows though, because Rowena wasn't necessarily capable of leaving. So you're right. You're right. Because of the, her deal. But he so could have been. She, maybe he did try and get her out and then realized that she was screaming in pain. Maybe he didn't realize that there was a reason. Because uh, no one knows about Isadora at all. Yeah. And and the deal with the crone. Stupid goddamn crone. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, I would assume that he had to have found out shortly afterwards um, because he obviously knew. I don't think that Macy would have included that. I mean, maybe he wasn't really looking for her and Macy just thought that he was looking for her. Maybe he knew where she was all around or all along. And he was just trying to do just that, trying to bargain, trying to figure it out until he realized that it was a lost cause and that it would be impossible. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure. You guys can let us know uh, in the Crave the Book podcast tea room what you think. (laughs) Um, so my my final spoiler and our, our last point, Grace's trip as a child that she mentions um, in these chapters, she talks about how she went to the Redwoods as a kid and she never wanted to leave and how her parents, you know, they worked in San Diego, so she couldn't stay as long as she wanted, but she like put up a big fuss about leaving. And then Grace, um, in these scenes, she pulls the dagger out of the tree and puts like rests her face on the tree and everyone's like gasping because a bunch of wildflowers have grown all up around grace and the hole that was in the tree has healed so she's kind of channeled her her earth magic um in the bonus chapter for covet uh in the witch's court version grace is a child in those redwoods, we get that scene um, where mm-hmm. she visits the redwoods with her parents, and this is the first time that they realize that she has earth magic. This is like when they realize, like, oh no, she's not just a human. She basically, like, as a little girl, she like floats up in the air, and flowers bloom all around her, and she like spins around in a little circle up in the air, and and it's like her parents' worst nightmare. So. Um, Meanwhile, to her, she's like, look, mom, I painted the pretty picture. Yeah, she's all just so innocent and sweet. And her parents are just like, oh, no. And then they say that they need to take her to uh, Rowena Foster, which we now know is Macy's mom. So Mm -hmm. did Grace's parents at that point know that she was a demigod? Or was it just a realization that she's a gargoyle? Because... In, in all of the gargoyle powers, is is creating flowers and is that one of them? Is that one that we're incorporating in to all of the the gargoyle I don't know because I, I feel like they would have seen her transform into a gargoyle before flowers and things were innate. I don't think she actually turned into... A gargoyle no. when she was in. No, but at the same time, at the end of court, 
maybe no i don't think it was at the end of court i think it was like third of the way through rowena says that she reckons that grace is also a witch yeah um so maybe she was just showing like witchy things and then i think they were to the point where rather than it being uh we need to hide this because she's a gargoyle i think they were more we need to hide this because she's showing that she has powers we're supposed to be human so but they weren't were they i just popped open um i just popped open the bonus chapter and it's got um them kind of her parents are watching her crouch down she presses her hand to the ground and they're trying to figure out what she's doing um and they say that like of course i've seen this before you don't grow up around elemental witches without seeing the frenzy occasionally take them over when they're immersed in their element but Grace isn't a mm-hmm. witch. She isn't anything. When the blood letter spell backfired, it stripped Cillian, which is her dad, of his powers, and that carried over to Grace. She has no witchcraft in her, of that I am certain. So what's going on then? As she puts her hand farther up the tree trunk and closes her eyes with all of her might, the easiness of Cillian's pose changes. Suddenly he's bounding to his feet and running across the clearing toward her, and I'm right on his heels. Before we can reach her, the tree shifts a little under her hand, the long striations of the trunk sealing up, healing before our very eyes. So she's not a gargoyle. Um, The more she spins, the more flowers there are. So by that time we reach her, we're wading through blooms. How could everyone miss the fact that she's an earth elemental? Cillian says, I don't know, but she's obviously, and then he breaks off as Grace stops mid-spin. And then, and then they say, terror rips through me as the truth comes crashing down on me. My grace, my precious grace is a gargoyle, the first to live in a thousand years. So they do, do know. Do, do they not have earth elementals on their own? Uh, like I, an earth, like, a, like, like a, just an earth elemental just straight out. It sounds like the earth elementals are strictly oriented with gargoyles in this universe. Based, hmm. on, based on how they're describing it in those, in those bonus chapters. So, I'm not sure. But interesting. Let us know what you guys think. Um, I, I don't think that they thought that she was a demigod. I think I answered my own question there. I think it was just that realization that if, if you know, that that affiliation with the earth being made of stone, if, if that is something that will, if those two things tie together and that's the only explanation, I guess there aren't like earth witches or anything. Yeah. Because she's also a water elemental as well. Yeah. I think it's all just all, things all oriented with the earth. Water. Wind. She's a fire bender. <laughs> By the way, guys, if anybody can hear like popcorn noises in the background, um, that is because we have suddenly got really heavy rain. Uh. <laughs> and I can see the little blips on my line of raindrops. That's okay. We're at the end anyway. Um, Guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, Make sure that you join our Facebook group. That is the Crave the Book Podcast Tea Room if you want to hang out and chat with everybody about these episodes as they come out. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. And I guess we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.